You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode 10 of Sick Biz Buzz. Yes, that's right. We have hit double digits. This is the sickest podcast for chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind in the whole wide world and the universe. You'll understand what I'm talking about when you meet Brad Carr, our guest today. I'm Hillary Lauren, and I'm your host. Sick Biz Buzz is sponsored by SickBiz, an organization providing resources, hope, help, hacks, and support to afflicted entrepreneurs. Let me ask you a question. How different would your life be if you had been diagnosed and had struggled with a life-changing disease at the tender age of 13? What about if that disease came back into your life to upend it again in your late 30s? Think about what might have changed if you were living with that reality as you listen to the story of today's guest. You might say his recurring illness, a rare neurological disorder, opened up a whole new world. Brad Carr is an artist and an author and, I found out, a musician. He is the epitome of turning pain into purpose. And he is with us today to tell us all about his monumental mindset. Please welcome Brad Carr. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Brad Carr is with us. I'm super excited to talk to him. Every time I have a guest on who has my disease, I say it like I'm hogging it. I don't want to share it. (laughs) I just get super excited. So welcome. Thanks for being on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Absolutely. Wonderful. And uh, even though you're soggy, you're with us today. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's just water, you know. (laughs) That's right. We've encountered much worse. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So your story is really interesting to me um, because you actually, you have transverse myelitis. Right. Uh, and you have the recurring flavor, is what I hear. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. And the first time that you were stricken, you were 13 years old. Yes. Yes, I was 13. It was uh, 1991. And, yeah. Uh, that was not a fun time. <laughs> I. Uh, it's it it kind of funny because back then they didn't know much about it. So um, I had woke up uh, one morning and. Uh, and noticed that my legs were getting sore and I had problems going to the bathroom, things like that. And, uh, anyway, I went to the doctor, well, not doctor the hospital, like twice. And they just kept saying, Oh, it's just a bladder infection or something like that. And they didn't know what it was. And then it turned out the next day I was in so much pain that, uh, and then my legs stopped working and I had to be, uh, uh, taken to the hospital and, um, yeah, when they did, they they had no clue. They had to ship me up to Christiana Hospital, which is up north uh, in Delaware, to uh, to figure out what it was. It's always such a fun ride when they say we don't know and we're going to send you somewhere else. That's how, that right. always just instills such a sense of reassurance to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and, and especially when they kept sending you home, you know, it's like, oh, oh, God, you know, what do I do? Uh, yeah. Here I am, this 13-year-old boy, not not knowing anything, and and scared to death. And uh, but yeah, I they sent me to Christiana, and uh, um, I got uh, they did some MRIs, and they they said uh, they thought I had a tumor you know, on my yeah. spine. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so they went in and uh, they they actually chiseled out some of my bones in my back uh, to get to it, to allow room because it was expanding. And uh, turns out that they didn't have to do that, I guess. I guess they could have done it some other way, but <laughs> they mm-hmm. didn't know. So they didn't know it was TM until like a few weeks after I was in the hospital. And then you finally got your diagnosis. Yes. Yeah, they kept uh, uh, testing me with all these uh, different shots, uh, like uh, tuberculosis and, you know, all these little things they'd stick under your skin to try to figure out what was wrong. And uh, But, yeah. That's that's hard as a kid. That's hard as a kid, and you just really (laughs) turn to your parents, like, please give me some guidance and how I'm supposed to sail the sea. Right. Well, now that I'm older, I can't imagine what they went through. You know, I'm having a son of my own. who's My son's 17. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine uh, having your kid go through that and you can't do nothing about it. No, it's a helpless feeling. And I mean, I think in in some ways we've all kind of been through that helpless feeling, whether it's uh, ourselves. Hello? Yeah. Are you still with me, Brad? Yeah, yeah, there okay. we go. I went out for a second, yeah. <laughs> I do that. I drifted it out. I'm my own person. I'm a nomad of the airwaves. You can't contain me. No. Um, <laughs> so you recovered. You recovered, and you went on, and... I did the- recover, surprisingly. Yeah, they uh, yeah. they didn't think I'd walk again, but I did. Okay, that's amazing. And so you probably felt you had put it behind you and ready to just say, okay, that was weird. Can we just move yeah. on? And <laughs> did you have any lingering effects from that go round? Yeah, uh, mainly back pain was was the big deal, and uh, uh, you know because of the because they did the back surgery, it, it left me uh, starting to I developed scoliosis over time because uh, the bones were, were weakened from it. What a fabulous so that was, uh, but that was about it. Yeah. What's that? So you. I thought that was a fabulous souvenir for a 13-year-old oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, thanks. That's <laughs> what we all want, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and we have to laugh. I mean, some people listening to this might think, oh, my God, these people are so macabre. But I have found that this dark humor is so important in going through this crazy freaking unknown roller coaster that's just ready to surprise you at any turn like we're gonna do the loop-de-loop now fantastic (laughs) (laughs) absolutely you gotta have a sense of humor you got to uh that's what makes life worth living you gotta get a smile and laugh a little bit absolutely so you so you recovered you graduated high school you went on Mm -hmm. and uh you got married you had yep. your own, started your own family, and then bam, what happened? Uh, I was about 36, 37, and uh, I was out, uh, you know, just, uh, I was changing a, a battery, just believe it or not, out in the car, and uh, and uh, just, uh, I felt this immense pain in my back as usual, uh, because that's usually what starts it, and um, my legs just dropped. It was like a quick, all of a sudden thing and i had to be taken to hospital and uh uh again it took weeks before they figured out what was wrong <laughs> again yeah. so uh i had to go to john hopkins hospital which was the really they do a really well a good job with tm patients and uh they figured out that's what it was so i was uh i was back in a wheelchair and uh i thought i was gonna have to stay in it but um 
you know, through a lot of physical therapy over the years and things, I've, you know, I'm walking with crutches now. Uh, the hardest part is it left permanent damage this time. You know, it wasn't like last time where I, I, I made almost a full recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I lost, uh, lost a lot of feelings in my legs and my right arm stopped working, uh, which sucks if you're a, you know, a, a musician like me or an artist, you know, I, I do both things and, uh, couldn't use my hand very, my right hand very well, but I eventually came back, but you know, not without its downfalls that, you know, you just live with pain, you know, 24 seven and never goes away. And it's a different kind of pain. It's a pain yes. that really can't be touched. Um, you know, I had asked my aunt, she's a nurse uh, anesthetist, and I said, you know, why can't we just take medication, you know, some type <laughs> of anti-inflammatory? Well, because we would overdose before it right. even got to where it is supposed to be. So I think that's something that that's a, that's something that people don't understand about central nervous system pain. It is literally unreachable to a large yeah. extent. And so it's a matter of pain management. One of the best things I did was uh, go to a pain management clinic. Just kind of opened your eyes to the idea of living with the pain instead of totally eradicating it and giving yourself a different set of expectations. Right. But Let's go back in time now. What were you doing professionally when TM hit again? And I think Brad has left the building. And there oh, he is. I have to take a- <laughs> oh. <laughs> These are all the priceless. Yeah. <laughs> Am I still so- on? Yes. So what were you okay. so what were you doing professionally before the second round of TM? Uh the second well, I believe it or not, I was um before all this I was a uh um, engineer I was a draftsman for engineering and uh when the housing market went crashed, uh went crazy, uh I had to switch to something else and I was a uh, cosmetologist, believe it or not. <laughs> Holy <laughs> and, uh, moly. That what a lucky yeah. wife you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's gotten a lot of free work done, that's for sure. <laughs> I'd always be hitting you up like, hey, come on, my eyebrows are looking a little ragged. Let's get in here. Let's do this. <laughs> so yeah, and I I enjoyed it though. It was a it was a it was a good job, you know, and I, I uh but uh it just came there's no way I could do it now for sure. Can't stand it up that long. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know what? And you don't really think of that until you think about uh, things like hairdressers standing for eight, 10 hours a day, cosmetologists doing the same thing. And I mean, uh, we're putting together a cookbook for the chronically ill uh, for chronically ill people. It's going to include some wheelchair hacks in the kitchen, time and energy savers and things of that nature. Uh, because not only can you not do some of these jobs professionally, you can't even get in the kitchen the way you used to, you know, doing the dishes might take five hours because you could go in and unload half of them and then have to go sit down and take a rest for a minute and do something else and get your energy back. I say get your energy back like it's some kind of battery that we can just run like <laughs> and we can't recharge it. But 
you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of adaptation <laughs> that we have to apply in our life. Right. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Every, everything is adaptation and, and uh, knowing wh- uh, uh, how much you can do at a certain, it's, it's like a, a, you have a limited amount of, of energy you have per day and you have to kind of schedule it out on how you're going to use it. Yeah, absolutely. So when you stopped being a cosmetologist, how did you feel about that? You didn't have a choice. It was something that you, I'm assuming, enjoyed. And then that option was taken away from you. How did you cope with that? Uh, well, yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I've never been the type that... Uh, that stays down too long. Um, you know, there's always that voice in you on in your head that wakes you up every morning. And, you know, when you feel like you don't want to do anything, it's like, get up, do something, you know, that, that little voice always pops in my head. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was hard at first. It was mainly hard because I, I, I felt like I was a burden on my, my wife and my son and, mm-hmm. uh, having them, you know, to, to help me out. Um, that was the worst part of it. It wasn't what really happened to me. It's what they had to go through to do to help me uh, just, you know, have a daily way of living. Did you have um, guilt associated with that change in your life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that that's, I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like grieving, you know, you go through those stages of grieving and uh, you know, at first it's, you know, why me kind of thing, you know, you go mm-hmm. through that and uh, and then you go through, Oh, I'm, you know, how am I, how am I going to survive? And then, and then, uh, acceptance is the biggest one. You, you have to accept it. And then when it, when it gets accepted, you can really progress from there. Um, you know, because I knew they were working hard for me. I was going to work hard to try to make myself uh, better as much as I could. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I rejoined the gym and, and went back to, uh, I work out every day, just about, um, you know, yoga has really helped out, uh, bring, bring some of the, uh, the feelings back. Um, but it's, it's a long, long process. Uh, but it's a long you, game. You, it is a long game. It's the long game. And, uh, you know, we, there was only one thing you do. You can just sit there and die or you can live. And I, I choose to live. Absolutely. And, you know, entrepreneurs who are listening, who are, and there are people that I like to speak to in this particular stage, those are the newly diagnosed and the people who find that they have worsening symptoms where they're experiencing a setback. And we do as people default to why me, but I want you to think about why not me. And when I flipped that when I turned my why me into my why not me, it helped me understand that we don't have control. We, we, we may be afflicted with something and likely will be afflicted with something at some point in our lives. The vision that we have for ourselves is going to change and we can go willingly into that and say, you know, I'm going to be open to this experience and I'm surviving. That's the big thing. When you find out you do not have a spinal tumor, because that was me in 2014, uh, then you're like, well, you know, whatever it is, we'll make it work because I'm no longer dying. So (laughs) (laughs) there's that dark humor again. (laughs) Bring it on. Absolutely. (laughs) 
you know, that, that's the that's the thing you always got to remind yourself when you're so much pain. It's like, well, I guess I'm not dead. You know, it could be worse. <laughs> yes, and it always could be worse. It could be a worse disease. And uh, there's that old analogy that I like to bring up a lot, which is if you threw all your problems into a pile, would you pick out somebody else's problems? Right. Yeah. No. You know, <laughs> you might pluck your own out and say, well, I know this. I know this familiarity. Um, so when you accepted it, then you started to explore doing something different professionally with your time. And that is how you became an author of the Alicia Amulet series. That right. is phenomenal. Because do you think if you hadn't gotten ill that you would have created that series? I don't, I don't think I would have had the time, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would have happened. Um, and, that, and, and I think it's actually helped me become a better writer because I can actually uh, use you know, my experiences and experiences of people I know, uh, to, to help develop, uh, a feel for each character. And, um, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to, to, to push forward in my book. And, uh, it took like a, an entire year of really, uh, drawing sketches and, uh, and, and coming up with maps and, and it's not even in the book, but <laughs> it's going to be used later on, uh, a whole new world that, uh, is different from ours, but yet kind of the same. Um, and you, you're able to write with that level of empathy because of your own reality. And so it sounds like it's deepened your talent as a writer and your intuition. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the, uh, the silver lining in, it, uh, in everything is that you can really, in fact, you know, you bring up a good point about, uh, empathy uh, you know, a lot of people, I think that's missing in today's world. A lot of people doesn't, they, they really think about themselves and don't think about other people as much. And, um, you know, when something happens to you, all of a sudden it'll, it, your mindset will change it, yes. it, it either just, or it, it, you're just forced to change. Actually. You so, are forced. Yes, absolutely. And you're going to feel the pain anyways, you're going to feel that pain. And so you can pick your pain. You can pick the pain of I'm going to feel all the physical agony. I'm going to feel all the emotional agony. And I'm just going to condemn myself to this new hell. Or you can say, this is my reality. I don't have to like it. But I'm going to try and feel less pain. Somehow, some way, I'm going to explore an option of feeling less pain. Now, it seems like you are working through some of these sticking points of this new reality. And what are you telling your readers through the Elisha Amulet series? Well, it's, it's actually pronounced Elisha Amulet. That's okay. oh. a lot of people say <laughs> <laughs> it's a, That's actually a, a name from the, from the Bible, even though I'm not a religious man. Oh. Uh, it's a uh, what I'm trying to, to, to show in this book is that, it, and in fact, there's so many things that are brought up in this book, religion, politics, immigration, you know, and, and, and race is one of the not the issues that's not in it because nobody gives a crap about it. You know, it's not like today where we were, we're so focused on, uh, you know, racism is such a big, uh, but it's basically, can humanity change itself? And, uh, for those who are, uh, disabled or, or having problems in this book, uh, 
they find ways to overcome it. In fact, the one of the main characters is uh, an older man. He's almost 70 years old, and uh, he suffers from major nerve damage, um, but he's still a... You know, he's a very intelligent person and, uh, uh, you know, an old warrior. And uh, that's one of the people I had in there. But there's also little little hints here and there of, you know, side characters. You'll, you'll see uh, uh, the waiter with the small limp or, you know, the all-terrain ve- uh, wheelchair vehicles for uh, the volunteers who are going into this uh, uh, dangerous new world who want to do their part. Um you know, and and that's that's the key is that you know just because someone is is um, is physically damaged, that doesn't mean that they don't have value. And uh, yeah, you might not they might not be the do everything that everyone else can do, but the things they do that they can do are uh, are phenomenal. So you've created a world where the disabled among us are equal. Yes. And that yep. is amazing. And they're equal in everything and in the good and bad, you know, I mean, the, mm-hmm. this, it's not just, you know, they're not, they're treated with respect, but they're also not babied, you know, and, and you can't, you can't baby yourself when you're, when you're disabled. That's one thing you can't do. Uh, no. You have to be tough. Well, and, you know, and we can only speak for our experiences ourselves, but equality and the treatment, you know, being treated equally means you do not get special treatment. It seems that people sometimes forget that and they say, well, I want to be treated equally. So I expect to be singled out and this and that. That's not what it is. It's the absolute inclusion into society, 100% total acceptance. And so I think that um, it's great to hear your voice on this platform and to help people understand that this is what we need. This is what we want. We don't want to be stared at in wheelchairs. Don't be afraid. We're not going to bite you. Maybe a little bit. We might nibble. But we, <laughs> <laughs> but you can meet our eyes and you don't have to look on us with pity because here's a surprise. Some of us might be having an even better life because we have found a purpose we have found a mission so i want people who are hearing this to think about that don't think about the physical limitations like you know straight up they suck okay right it's absolutely <laughs> you're tired because you're adapting your gait you have different pains um So you maybe pull a muscle or don't have the greatest balance or you have to find a way to use your other hand or any multitude of adaptations that you need to make to your life. That is physical. We are so much more than physical. We have likely gotten used to the physical impairment and we probably feel just fine about it. We probably feel like, oh, hey, it's a Wednesday. You know, not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you adjust to it. You don't you don't really think about the past too much. You know, I mean, yeah, you you long for it. You're like, oh man, I wish I could do these things again. Everyone goes through that every now and then, but but at the same time, it's become the norm. You know, you you know what you know how to handle it, and 
And that's the thing. I mean, it really makes you stronger in a way. It's not a blessing. I, I hate when people say, oh, it's a blessing that, you know, <laughs> or God made this happen for a reason. I don't believe in all that stuff, but. <laughs> yeah, that's, you, you know, know, everybody has their opinion on it. I mean, and that's what's so beautiful about, I think there's a lot of acceptance in this community. So if you say, you know, I believe this and I might believe this other thing, we still have a common bond between us that sure. we have compassion for each other. We have compassion for other people. I think that piece of it is a really beautiful thing. And, you know, I think we also have the responsibility to teach people. This is what it's about. This is how we need support. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, the other thing is too, uh, you like to see we want to be treated equal, but we also don't want to talk about our illnesses all the time too with people. You know, you, your friends are, they feel sorry for you. You don't want no one to feel sorry for you. You no. know, you don't want to treat the same way as you did before, you know, before all this. And right. that, that's the biggest, you know, the, the hardest thing to, to get across to people, even, even family members, you know, uh, you know, like I live close to my mom and my mom and dad, my dad was like, Oh, just get in the wheelchair. I'll take you around. Like, and that's like, or they try to push you, you know, like, no, mm -hmm. I'll push, I'll pull myself. I'll push myself. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that that helps out. Um, you just gotta, you appreciate them. You know that they, they mean well, but ultimately you just want to be thought of as just a regular person. Uh, you might have some brace, you know, I have a braces on my legs and that walk, I might walk a little funny like a zombie, but you know, <laughs> 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 but that's, that's neither here nor there. It didn't affect my mind, you know, that thank God for that. Cause that's the worst thing in the world could, that could affect. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that's can, that's a complete truth right there. I am so happy to still have my mind and my shitty memory. Like I'm, <laughs> That comes from age. That's not, you know, but the <laughs> outlet, having an outlet to work through what you're going through, um, I think it's really important. And if you're dealing with a disability that's maybe worsened or you're dealing with a new diagnosis or you're just struggling to get along or you're having a hard time, you know, fighting depression and things of that nature, it is imperative to have an outlet. I don't care what that looks like. It could be cooking. It could be riding horses. It you know, it uh, could be dog grooming, whatever it is that allows you a physical way to work through your pain, whether it's through art, which I think is a fabulous thing. And I've seen your paintings. You're working out your feelings on the canvas. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I don't, I don't, paint for other people. I paint for myself just to, you know, is you enjoy it. You know, you really do. And, and the time slips by, you don't even think about the pain you're in when, you know, when I'm writing, I don't, even though the pain is there, it, it kind of fades away, you know? And, uh, and so to, just same way with artwork, it, it, it fades away temporarily. Obviously, mm -hmm. as soon as you take your mind off of it, it's going <laughs> to come right back. back. <laughs> but it's amazing what you get used to. It really is. Yeah. So what would you say to an entrepreneur who is struggling with sickness or disability and who might have doubts in themselves, or maybe they've found that they've just lost their job? I, I think the, the biggest thing is when you have to, uh, when you're going through uh, an illness and, uh, and you say you've lost your job, you've got to think back, what, 
it, did that job really make you happy first off? And if it didn't, what was, what was the things in your life? What were the things in your life that made you happy and go ahead and pursue that. And if you're happy doing something, then uh, it really doesn't matter how much money you make or, or, or how you, uh, you get by, you'll always get by somehow, but, uh, you know, life's too short. I mean, you could, you could die tomorrow. You could walk out the street and be dead. So, and, and what have you got to show for it? It's, it's what we leave behind that's most important. And, uh, that's why, you know, I wanted to create these, this, this book series and, uh, many books from to come because I found a love for something that I used to love when I was a younger man, you know, and just never got around to pushing forward. So, there's got to be so, there's always something that you're good at that you can make money off of. Yeah, I'm in total agreement. Um, <clears throat> my go-to has always been just work. I've known that I could work, I could find work. Uh, it didn't matter what the work was, I could find right. it. At one point, I was an executive assistant in a public accounting firm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, when I when I was out of there, I was like. Um, who will take my wardrobe and burn it with me? <laughs> like, this, this, like, who will take these sensible hemmed skirts and throw them on the fire? It was just this. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. And it's, and it's a long process. I mean, I'm just beginning and, you know, obviously I'm still disabled and I, 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 my ultimate goal is to get, to be self-sustaining where I don't have to, to have the government help me out, you know, and that's the biggest thing. And so if it's going to, it's going to take more than one book and I'm just going to keep pumping them out because first off, I enjoy it. And second off, you know, I want, I am that type of guy that I have to work. I have to do something, even if it's just, you know, the most I can probably do is an hour or two a day, uh, of, of writing or doing things, but at least it's something. And, uh, I just have to take it a little as it goes as we all do. Yeah, we just have to adjust that schedule and our our workday looks a lot longer because there's a lot of breaks in between and so we have to expand it. Um and I think we need support too. The the entrepreneurs that I've talked to really the ones that are thriving seem to be the ones where they have a support system firmly in place of people that are understanding the need mm-hmm. to change things up. And I know you have that in your life. Absolutely, I do. I, I have a wonderful, wonderful wife. And uh, she has never been the type to try to change me or, or tell me, you know, I shouldn't do this. She's always supported everything I do. And uh, uh, that is, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, she, she now, unfortunately, now she's the breadwinner, but I'm hoping to change that one day. <laughs> but, uh, but I've had a good family. I have a good son. He's, uh, He's um, he wants to be a biomedical engineer, so he's he he's thinking about doing uh, you know uh, the medical profession as far as the spinal cords go, uh, the central Amazing. nervous system. Uh, <laughs> so maybe if anything comes out of this, hopefully my my son will will get through college and 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 do all that, which he's doing great. He's got a, over a four GPA. So I must be doing something right, I guess. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's a huge accomplishment for your son and for you. And, you know, as the parent of children, I mean, because with my um, with my chronic illness, it really creates these compassionate children. And yeah. you can't 
you can't get there in exactly the same way or to the level that these children are so aware of others and their feelings and just kind of outside of their body a little bit more because they're always asking, how are you feeling? What do you need? How are you doing? Which means they spread that in their own networks with their own friends, the things that they choose to do. That has really been a beautiful part of this whole experience. Right. And if if you got that support group, don't be afraid to ask them for help when you need things. And that was the biggest thing with me. I guess it's maybe the, I guess call it the man complex where you don't want to ask for help for anything. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) And and you, uh, you know, sometimes there's times where I can't get up and be like, son, can you help me up? Uh, and Mm -hmm. he'll, you know, I'll be able to put my arm around, around his, uh, his shoulders and he'll, uh, he'll help me get up or move. And, uh, Absolutely. It does. It does make them. uh, But he was always an old soul to begin with. So it's kind of it's kind of (laughs) easy. He was an easy kid to raise. I got lucky. (laughs) Oh, that is amazing. I have three and one is an old soul and the other two are coming along just amazingly well. But that old soul really seems to kind of peer into your heart and you know, kind of beat you to the punch. And I totally get what you're saying. It's an incredible blessing. Um, so your children become a part of your support network, but I just want to talk briefly about having the conversation as a sick or disabled entrepreneur with your support system. And that means getting really honest about money, about fear, about who you were and who you're trying to become. And it means facing those things together and taking that risk that you're not going to match on some things. You know, when you have a chronic illness or a disability, you can feel like a burden. You can feel like there's nothing left to offer but you. But you might find out, especially in the right support system, that you is just enough. And that's an amazing discovery to make that can change the entire dynamic of your working um, arrangement and even your relationships. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's it takes adjustment for the entire family, but definitely it starts with you first. You know, if you're the person who just say what well, you have, it starts with you and, and you're the one who has to be. Uh, you have to try to be an inspiration for your support group for, for the people who, who support you. And, um, you know, hopefully that'll come to pass, you know, if <laughs> my, yeah. uh, one might, you know, one day my, you know, I'll have grandchildren and they'll say, Oh, well, grandpa wrote a book. Of course he better wait till 18. Cause the book is very, uh, very violent. <laughs> lots of, you know, adult themes, but <laughs> you know, at least there's some legacy to leave behind. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll write some, some things that's a little more general audience, but <laughs> that's how I was but with it, killing Carl. I told my kids, like I wrote this book and it's about a serial killer's wife and you can't read it. So <laughs> <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, luckily my son's older now. He can read it if he gets a chance. But uh, yeah, uh, that is the the big thing. That's the big thing. And so, you know, before we wrap and go into our final question, 
which okay. is a mystery that even you don't know about. Um, I think it's important to impart to people that it is okay for your support system to not always be crazy about caring for you. It's, it's unrealistic to expect this Pollyanna complex in the people that are sometimes making your lunch or folding your laundry. They're people. <laughs> They're going to get crabby. They should be allowed to get crabby. And you need to create a safe space for them to express their emotions without taking it personally. It's not like, oh, I, I hate folding your laundry and so I hate you. No, it's like, you know, the saying we have around our house is I'm mad at the dirt. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the dirt. And that's a it's a reference to Mommy Dearest when the maid spills the potted plant and she has to scrub the tile floor. She's mad at the dirt because she knows it was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the same way I looked at when I looked at his dirty dishes in the, in the sink and I'm having a bad day and I can't help out. I'm like, oh, my wife, my poor wife, you know, she comes home and. And then she cleans it. But I could look, see, look on her face. She's had a long, hard day, and she had to come home and do the dishes. That just wasn't wasn't fun because we don't have a dishwasher, so that's even worse. <laughs> well, your dishes are sparkling clean now, probably cleaner than most people. Like we need to go back in time and redo that. So let's wrap up with the super fun question for you. What is, okay. what's the one thing that no one knows about you? Okay, should I make? I guess I should make this fun. Okay, um, the one thing that many people don't know about me is uh, when I watch Return of the Jedi, I can quote every single thing <laughs> as it goes through. I've watched it over and over and over again as a kid, and I know it from memory. <laughs> how many times have you watched that movie? Have you counted? Uh, I don't know. I used to watch it every day when I was younger and, and then and then go play outside after I watched it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. I love that so much. That's amazing. Even if you just lip sync it. Like, yeah. There you yeah, go. <laughs> I, I, I feel bad for anybody that has to watch that movie with me because I, I, I have to lip if I don't shut up because I could just even even when the aliens are. You know, things that aren't speaking English. I know exactly what they're saying. I can actually say it the way they say it. It's, it's oh. very nerdy, but, you know. That's <laughs> fantastic. So, so, Brad, thank you so much for being on. Now, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook um, uh, as uh, author.bradcar. Uh, you can also find... Uh, um, you can actually buy my first uh, Enigmas and Empires book one on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and uh, pretty much anywhere books are sold. Uh, and uh, start from there, I guess. <laughs> Fantastic. And I know that you're on Facebook, too, with your art. What's your Facebook art page? Uh, it's called Artwork by Brad Carr. Fantastic. And I just joined that page today. So please oh, thank you. check it out. You bet. You bet. Check it out. Um, thank you so much for being on the show today. And thank you so much for sharing all of your insight, for sharing your need for outlets and talking to people and helping them feel more inclusive. That was a fantastic time. Thank you. I love today's episode. I mean, I just couldn't get enough of it. The time just flew by. 
Brad Carr, author of Elisha Amulet, absolutely blew me away because he created his own reality that he wants to see in the world where disabled people are all equal. That is what turning your pain into purpose is all about. I hope you enjoyed it. I will remember it as one of my favorites. Did you like what you heard? I've asked you that a hundred times, but let me ask you again, because I'd love to have you leave a review. We've got a couple of reviews on our Sick Biz Buzz podcast, and that really helps us spread the word and help our community. So please subscribe wherever podcasts are available and check out all of our, I think at last count we have about 15 contributing authors to the sickbiz.com website sharing their insights. We're building out a resources page. Our podcasts are being transcribed. They will be available shortly. So please tune in to Sick Biz Buzz and check out sickbiz.com. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.